Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social and economic renewal in our immediate communities and as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. Woohoo! Come on studio audience. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for being here in the studio. And those of you watching us at our different hosting centers, garage locations, and some of you in the comfort of your home or office, thank you so much for joining us. This is Business Garage at Worship Harvest. Every Sunday at 7.30 a.m., from 7.30 a.m., we get together and we bring you a service specifically for business people. We bring you kingdom businesses, people who are involved in business, Ugandans who are thriving, who are willing to share their stories, their failures, their achievements, that we may encourage and challenge you to know that it is possible. All right? First of all, I want to let you know that you can be part of the studio audience. Did you know that we have a business lounge? Yes, we have a business lounge. After garage, business people hang out, they share coffee, they exchange business cards. You get to meet the people we are interviewing live with no pay. So you better come and come and network, come around here. You never know who you can meet. You can come right here at Worship Harvest Nalia. It's worth it. After all, you business people are, are used to waking up pretty early. So I'd like to interest you in the business lounge here at Business Garage. Come be part of the of the community. Get to interact with like-minded people, ask questions, get answers, connect and network. All right, I'll be telling you a bit more things about today and why it's special. But right now, I'd like you to help me make, make welcome a person that we are featuring today, a business person who I know her as, as Jean Nyangoma, but also she's Kasente. All three names are hers. So Jean, you're most welcome from Jollity Creations. Yes, give us some love. Thank you. Thank you, B3. Jean, you have a very unique business. Yeah. yeah. So I, I want to, you're going to really seriously share the link, invite friends to get on because I love your story and I think that it's going to encourage a lot of people because again, like many people that we interview, you're going to find that it's a story of stumbling on something that then becomes something that morphs into something and eventually you're seeing something very big going to come out of it, but it just began with starting with what someone had. So Jean, you are most welcome. Uh, thank you, Beatrice. Yes, thank you yeah. for being here. So let's start from the beginning. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What did you study? What were you doing before you got into business? Is it the first business you tried your hand at? Just those beginnings. Uh, okay, so my name is Jean Yangoma, and I'm married, a mom of three. And um, actually, I went to school in primary. I was in a school called Kavale Preparatory School, which ha. is in Kavale. We know those students. Ah, you do, eh? <laughs> <laughs> They're like KPS, Kampala parents. Yes, kids. so we used to call it KPS. So um, <laughs> after after that, I went to Gayaza, yeah. and when I went to Gayaza is actually when I realized there's another KPS in Uganda. <laughs> so when yeah. I would say I'm from KPS, they would ask, which KPS? So I would tell them the cool KPS, the one in the Kavale. The cool one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so after Gayaza, I went to Makerere, and I did a Bachelor of Industrial and Fine Arts. Wow. Yeah. Like, see how disconnected <laughs> this is from what you're doing. But, uh -huh. Okay, so... <laughs> When I did the arts, um, 
Actually, why I did the art is I didn't know that I was good at art until I went to Gayaza. In S1, we had this exam where we were asked to draw a pot, like a, a clay pot. So I drew my pot, and when I looked at other people's pots, I was wondering, where is that person's <laughs> pot shapeless? Uh, why does that person's pot look funny? And uh, I was actually the best in the, in the exam. I drew the best pot. That's when I actually realized, oh, actually, I'm good at art. I didn't know. So the art teacher encouraged me to take art. And when I was in S4, it was one of my electives. Wow. Yeah, so when I went back to Gaza in S5, it was also one of the electives. Um, but somehow, I, I, I wasn't really so fond of the art. <laughs> so I, I didn't want to do it when I went to campus. My first choice was actually tourism because I loved geography and tourism and everything. But I didn't make enough points to get the tourism on campus. Uh, I got into art because that was my second choice. So I guess that was what I was destined to become an artist. Yeah. So um, when, when I finished my art um, course on campus, um, actually in second year, we are required to do um, this course, like we're supposed to do industrial training. Yes. So my first job, I got at an art gallery uh, where I did my industrial training. And I enjoyed doing the work, actually. It was so much fun for me. So when I was done with the training, uh, I, I decided, why don't I just look for a job and continue with this? So there's a company <laughs> that's called TAP that had put out an advert in the papers mm -hmm. um, requesting for people to apply for a design job. And yeah, because I... I <laughs> I am not scared to try out new things. I actually applied for that job in second year on campus. I did the interview and passed it. So I got a job. I started working <laughs> when I was in second year. Wow. Yeah. So every day after class, I would go to work. So the whole of third year, I was working. Uh, by the time I finished campus, I was basically, yeah, I knew about the how business and how to operate and everything. So, but. Like I said, I wasn't really feeling the art because it wasn't really a passion for me, a big, mm -hmm. huge passion. So in third year, there was this advert I saw in the papers, a shipping company, <laughs> a new shipping company called Musk put in an advert. They were starting a shipping program where you, you would uh, apply for it, then you do a two-year kind of training, then they post you to a country outside uh, of, tourism. around the world. You see what she's doing. Yeah. <laughs> So I applied for it and got in, but I didn't get enough points to get into that program, but they employed me. So I became an employee. I actually started working before I graduated. Mm -hmm. Like now I had a real proper job. Yes. Yeah, so that's how I went into the shipping industry. So I worked with Musk for, I think it was about seven years. Wow. Yeah, doing different things. I worked in the imports department, the exports department. I was even in HR. I was in finance for a short time. So, and the reason why they kept on giving me these opportunities was when something would come up and I would ask, I would say, I'm, I'm interested in that. With zero skill, zero knowledge, they're like, you know what, let's just put you in, you'll learn on the job. So um, I, got, um, I got used to learning on the job. So because of all the different departments I worked in, when a new shipping line was joining, was coming into Kampala called Emirates Shipping Line, they were looking for someone who was all-rounded because it's a small office and you'd have to manage both the imports, the exports, every documentation, everything. So because of the different departments I'd worked in at Musk, I, I got that job, <laughs> yeah? So I was managing the whole office, exports, imports, the shipping, the documentation, everything. 
but anyone who has worked in shipping knows how tough. it's so tough and it's so time consuming. Yes. Um, so then I got my third born. I got my first two kids when I was working at Musk and then I got the third one when I was at Emirates. So it became very hard balancing the job, which was extremely demanding, and balancing the kids. So, because you know the problems we face, maids, one day she wakes up and goes, so you're stuck <laughs> with a baby who you have to look after, and yet in office people are calling you, so it became too much. I decided to take some time off. Mm -hmm. So my plan was just to take off maybe like Aya, until she's old enough to maybe join kindergarten so I can drop her at school, then I go back to work. Uh -huh. And actually at my job, they were like, you know what, it's okay, take that time off. When you're ready, we'll, we'll take you back. Yes. Yeah? So during that one year, because of, I had never really gotten a chance to, should I say, chill and relax? Yes. I, I really, I enjoyed it so much, but <laughs> I wasn't used to just chilling. Yes. I, I, used to, I would feel guilty, like in the morning when I'm watching TV, I'm like, can I be watching TV at this time? Uh -uh. It's not right. <laughs> so um, I decided, let me just start doing something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, um, when I was deciding what do I want to do, what do I actually like? Because I had been reading business books and everything, and they would tell you, you have to do something you're passionate about. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, what am I passionate about? Mm -hmm. I thought about so many things. Should I start making candles? Should I sew? Should I learn how to sew? Should I? But when I was working, uh, the different jobs, I used to travel a lot, yeah. like to different countries, and I have always had a sweet tooth. I love cakes. <laughs> so I would eat the different types of cupcakes. When I would go to like the Europe, I would taste a cupcake. I would, yeah, I would taste a cupcake. I would make sure I taste the cupcakes. So, but somehow, I was, they were not there in Uganda. Mm. All the places I would go to, they didn't have them. So I said, you know what? There are these nice cupcakes that we can, I can make and sell, but I didn't want them to be too sweet because um, after getting kids, somehow <laughs> my weight refused to go. Before I got kids, I could eat anything. I would never put on weight. So I wanted to make them like healthier instead of sugar. I would use maybe honey or a fruit like pineapple juice, mm -hmm. uh, bananas. So I started making them healthier instead of margarine, preservatives and, and preservatives and everything. I would use butter or maybe olive oil. Mm -hmm. So they were actually nice and tasty and people started buying them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when I started making those healthier cupcakes, I was still using wheat. One day someone asked me, you know what? Why don't you try making it eggless? Yeah, eggless. Yeah, without eggs. <laughs> and because, yeah, I'm, I'm not scared to try out exactly. things. <laughs> I went and read YouTube, Google, how do I make an eggless cupcake? So mm -hmm. I practiced until I managed to make one. So I put eggless cupcakes on my menu. And when I did that, I started getting, I realized there's a whole Indian community in Kampala that have been looking for eggless cupcakes. Wow. And so I started, I, I, that's how I got the, the Indian community. Mm -hmm. Started making eggless, cupcake, eggless cakes and cupcakes for them. Then someone was like, since you're making them eggless, why don't you try making them vegan? Vegan. Yeah. Vegan <laughs> cupcakes. So of course I was like, what is vegan? I didn't know what that was. So I went and read about it and I realized vegan cupcakes have no eggs, no dairy, basically no animal protein. And when I went around looking for options in the supermarkets, these things are there. I had just never seen them. Mm. Like soy milk and coconut milk and almond milk. They were there actually there in the supermarket. So I started making vegan. <laughs> so you're making eggless, you're making vegan. Yeah, now mm -hmm. I'm making vegan. So 
when I started making vegan, I discovered and there is a whole vegan community in Kampala. There's even a Facebook page for wow. vegans. So they, I joined that community. They put me in that Facebook page. It has mainly experts who are, who are living in Kampala. So that became a new market. So now I had the Indian market. I had the expert market. Wow. I know. Then someone was like, I mean, you, you're good at trying out new things. Gluten-free? Gluten-free. Wow. <laughs> so, of course, I was like, what is that? So again, I went research, and I realized in Uganda, we have so much gluten-free food. Actually, wow. all the food we eat is gluten-free. Matoke, cassava, potatoes, everything is gluten-free. Um, the only, actually, the flour that has gluten-free is wheat. I think oats have a little gluten, barley, and I think rye. There are four types. And in Uganda, I think I've only seen wheat and oats. Yeah. So all the other types of flour, all the flour that you use for porridge, maize, cassava, millet, sorghum, all, all that is gluten-free flour. Wow. Yeah. So I started experimenting with the different types of, of the flour. Mm -hmm. Millet, I would mix cassava and millet, or cassava and rice. Cake. <laughs> I know, in mm. a cake. But they were, they were not, they didn't taste nice. No. My, my guinea pigs were my kids. <laughs> Even my head is refusing. <laughs> so my kids are like my guinea pigs. When I would make a cake, I, I give them. And they tell the truth. Yeah, and kids don't lie. Yeah, they don't. So they would take, if they would take one bite and they're like, but they're still nice. They're like, okay, mommy, I'll keep it in the fridge and eat it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Then I would know, okay. That's <laughs> feedback. <laughs> now, this, this hasn't worked. Yeah. So I kept experimenting with different types until. One day in Capital Shoppers, I found a pack of orange-fleshed sweet potato flour. Orange-fleshed sweet potato flour. Sweet potato that is orange. Yeah? So I, I tried baking with it, and that's the first cake that they ate. And they're like, can I have more? Uh-huh, they're I not know. keeping it in the yeah, fridge. Yeah, so I was like, hey, okay, I'm, I'm onto something. Wow. Yeah, but I didn't want it just to be with the sweet potato. I wanted to add something more to make it more, yeah. So I tried orange sweet potato and millet. Nah. Wow. Orange sweet potato and rice. So it's when I tried orange sweet potato and pumpkin. I don't know. I think pumpkin has some nice flavor mm -hmm. when you bake with it. It's the one cake that I would make cakes, they would finish. Cookies, they would eat and finish. Uh, chapati, they would eat and finish. Mandazi. Chapati, chapati with pumpkin and, and sweet potato. No wheat. Yeah, so that's how I came up with that combination of orange, sweet potato, and pumpkin through experimentation. So when I started making that cake and selling it, I'd be like, why don't you try the gluten-free? Because I already had many clients. Yes. So I'm like, I now have gluten-free cakes. Can't you try? So they would eat, and they're like, oh, it's actually very nice. So I remember there's this one time I made a cake for someone like an, I think someone's father was celebrating a birthday mm -hmm. and their, the kids were so happy. They're like, our oh, dad has a dish and a cake is so long because he can't take wheat, he can't take sugar, he can't take dairy, all those things. And you were like, I can do that. Yeah, I mean, no I'm dairy, already making vegan no sugar, and I'm making gluten-free. No yeah. So I made for him a cake and, and, and sent it. And when I asked them, oh, how was it? They told me, do you know? It's the kids who finished this cake. <laughs> <laughs> I think my dad ate like a tiny piece. Yeah. So I realized, hey, kids like it. Yes. Yeah, so I started telling my friends, you know what, buy some for your kids. Yeah? Mm. Uh, so people started buying for their kids to take to school for break. Uh, they would buy to take to the office. Uh, so now I had like, people who are buying regularly. Yes. Yeah. So last year, 
in was it March when they were put under lockdown. Aha, uh-huh. now before you even take us into lockdown. <laughs> because I know that that's when something new begins for you. Yeah. But here you are. You guys are hearing people who bake. I mean I bake and I'm just listening and going what? You know, uh pumpkin and sweet potato flour. Um baking cookies, yeah. chapati. It makes anything. Chapati, cookies, bandazi, cakes, everything. Wow. Yeah. And so here you are, because you said you had, to, you had decided to take a year of work, which of course now eventually became not yeah, really a so, year. <laughs> so when I started making the money, yes. well, that was enough to cover those tiny costs, fueling yes. my car, doing my hair, yes. all those things. I was like, why do I have to go back to work? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> why do I really have to go back to a thing yeah. that consumes my time so yeah. much when you But then the truth is that you didn't intend to start a business. No. 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 And you didn't intend to get into healthy snacks and treats because sometimes no. people think that someone sat down and their heart was beating in the night for who out there is making gluten free, eggless, uh, sugar free, <laughs> I don't know what things. It's that you the, you you were home you didn't want to do nothing, you started to do something, then people, and you know, business people, what I'm learning from you is that our clients, our market gives us feedback on what they need. And every time they give us feedback, it's an opportunity for growth and expansion. And and sometimes we are stuck, you know, in our way of, no, for me, and and you know, imagine, I've been asked by, I'm, 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 I'm embarrassed to tell you, but I've been asked by a few of my customers, do you have eggless? And I'm sort of like, no. (laughs) Uh, Do you have gluten-free? No. And never did I say, let me find out what it takes to do that. Because, and there's a couple of them who have children who can't eat eggs, but they want the snack. And and I'm learning from you that it's foolish for me as a business person and for us as business people to insist that our market must take what we have. Because the market is the customer. They are telling you what they need. And so you listened to a market and you tapped into a unique market that is very untapped into yeah okay so he now you start making these i mean my my i used to think these things don't even happen in uganda gluten free (laughs) i thought they were forged eggless (laughs) 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 wow you know lactose free so here you there's actually a whole community of people who need that and so you've tapped into them it's starting to work you you have more clients and you can supply yeah and then we get into the lockdown. Now let's talk about the lockdown because you told me that in the lockdown is when you almost quit. Yeah. So why? What was happening? Okay, so my biggest clients were people who are going to office and uh-huh. kids who are going to school. Yes. So the first thing that happened is schools were closed. Yes. Yeah. So that 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 market no one was buying. Yeah. yeah? Now so I lost all those clients. Then eventually the whole country was shut down and even offices were closed. People are now working from home. Yes. So now when people are at home, they have food, they have what, so I was, they were not buying yes. the things. Yeah. So at that point, I was like, ah, okay, maybe I wasn't sure how long because every time they would keep extending it, oh, another <laughs> week has been added or two more weeks. I was like, yeah. I mean, Until what's when? this? Yeah, how long is this going to be? So I was like, ah, let me call like my former boss and say, do you still have that car opportunity? Is it still there? <laughs> yeah. 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 But then um, I had taken part, uh, there's this class that I had joined, a business class, actually. It's a, a company called Synapis that promotes kingdom businesses. Yes. Yeah. So I had attended the business class because I didn't really know how to run a business. Mm-hmm. So 
actually the first class I attended, they asked me who is your target market and I had I didn't know. Like whoever. As wants. in I didn't I had no clue. Yeah. I was like, I don't know, people in home people homes, want to people eat. What, they're just I don't know. Yeah. So they they would actually they would actually tell us, find out who your target market is. Um, then they would ask us things like um, so who is your competition? So of course me I was like I don't have, I'm the only person who does gluten food. I don't have any competition. Yeah. So they were like, there's no way that you don't have competition. Mm. So it made me start thinking that actually other bakers yes. are my competition. Uh, there are people who actually buy, the fly is there. So there are people who are buying it. So the people who are supplying it are your competition. All that is stuff I had never even thought of anyway. So when I did that business course, I learned a lot of things like managing money. Yes. Yeah. So the money from the business was my money, mm-hmm. which I would, I would get. Uh, if someone orders for cakes and what, the, the money I get, I'm like, ah, I can do my hair. Oh, oh no. let's go for lunch. I don't even call my friends. Lunch? Yeah. So <laughs> I wasn't really saving it. As in, I was just, it was money for me to mm. do my things, which was my intention in the beginning. But I decided, you know what, let me actually align and make it a, a proper business yes. because I'm going to get stuck at this stage. Mm-hmm. I'll never be able to grow. So when I did that course, I learned how to align the business, the different uh, types of, like there's this thing we learned about a sales funnel, mm-hmm. yeah, of the different types of ways in which you can make income, yeah. Uh, so when we did that specific lesson, and the, the, we, we were told to go and think about our sales funnel, so I was only making money from baking, mm. yeah. So when we went to class, they asked us, so what if those clients stop buying from you, will the business close? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I, they made me start thinking. So they had mentioned, I mean, you, you have the flour. Yeah. The have flour. You, yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about packaging it and actually selling it? And I was, okay, maybe one day. As huh. It wasn't something. As, <laughs> I, wasn't, I was like, that's a whole other business. I have to look for packaging. I have to look for how to brand it, where to sell it. It, was, it, it felt like a lot of work. And I was already making enough money. Mm-hmm from the snacks to you survive. Yeah, mm. I was basically comfortable. Mm. So during the lockdown, when everything was closed and I wasn't making any money, yes. I remember that. When I remember that class. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I was like, you know what? I have the flour. Why don't I pack it and, mm. and, and sell it actually to the people? The gluten-free flour. Yeah. Mm. So I, I packaged it. I, found, I went and looked for I was actually buying those boozy block bags in the, in the yes, supermarket, eh? yes. packaging in that. Then I made a sticker, put it in the pack, and I started selling. Mm. And people were actually buying the flour. So then someone called me, they're like, okay, so I bought your flour, but um, how do I use it? <laughs> yeah, I have it, and yes. I know how to bake, but I, I used my recipe at home, the it one for cakes. Work. Yeah, mm. it came out, it was hard, it was... So that's when I started uh, the, uh, the website. I already had a website. Uh, so I went to my website designer mm-hmm. and I was like, can you open a, like a blog section where I can post recipes mm-hmm. for people? So I started posting recipes. Wow. Yeah. So when I sold the flour, I would tell people, go to the website, there's a recipe. So I had maybe about, I think, three or four, how to make cakes, how to make cookies, and I think donuts and like a vegan cake. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, people started buying and, and making the, the snacks. And I was like, eh, but why are they only four? I can yes. put so many. So I, I went and did research, read online, tried out recipes. When I would try a recipe and it actually comes out and it tastes nice, I would post that recipe. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, so this. So right now I think they're about 12 or 13. 
different recipes. sites yeah, yes. on, the, on the website. So the more recipes I put, the more people are buying the flour. Of course, because they can use the flour. Yeah. Mm. So when we came out of the lockdown, people were now buying the flour yeah, and baking it. So, okay, of course they started asking for the snacks again because now people are going back to office, slowly going back to office. Uh, but then I realized more people were buying the flour. Mm. Then they started complaining about the packaging. Someone sent me a picture. I think ants had eaten <laughs> through the pack and it had all leaked out. So I had to look for different types of packaging. So the person that I found my supplier for the packets is uh, an expert. So when I started buying her packaging, she was like, you know what, I, what do you use it for? Yes. So I told her, I package gluten-free flour. So she's like, you know what, um, there are people I know who are looking for this flour. Why don't you sell it in these places? So she gave me contacts of... Imagine. Yeah. An organic store, it's called Arcoganics. So she's like, call this guy, ask him if you can supply your flour there. Because mm -hmm. now people are buying the flour from me, I would pack it and I deliver it to them. So when I called the guy and I told him, I have this flour, it's gluten-free, can I sell it at your place? He was like, oh, bring, bring. Yeah. So when I realized, hey, I can actually sell in, because I thought people would ask me for certification and all those things. So I was even, I hadn't thought about approaching. I'm like, who, who is going to allow to sell flour which they don't even know about? So when I, he was, he was open, he was like, bring, I'll sell it. Yes. Now people started buying and I was like, hey, I don't actually have to sell it myself. So I started looking for different places that also that I can approach and ask mm. them can I put my flour there and you sell it mm. so I think right now I have okay, about seven outlets where you sell the flour yeah. wow <laughs> I, um, the question I have for you is weren't you afraid because there's probably a person who's baking who's like now people have your recipes and then you know like that, that fear of what's going to happen to your snacks and whatever, and yet you're tapping into a market that's bigger, which is now production, which is manufacturing yeah. in, when it comes to flour, because you'd rather have millions of people buying the flour and baking the snacks at home than having this small snack-making you know, thing, because you've said that now the flour is what is selling most, yeah. and you even started teaching people how to bake. Yeah. So a school is coming out of it. Yeah. You know, and yet, how did you start? You started by just baking some snacks and responding to a need. Yeah. So did that cross your mind and how did you overcome it? Okay, I actually get people ask me that now that, oh my God, why are you posting your recipes? Yeah, people are going to copy you and start their own businesses. Yeah, and that's a thing. I'm, I'm not scared of competition. I think that's one thing about me. I'm like, you know what, first of all, the reason why I'm posting these recipes is so that other people can learn. I mean, I'm sharing because I couldn't find the things myself. Mm. There are probably other people who are looking for them that can't find them. And no one was there to share these things with me. So yes. it's about sharing mm. with other people. So I don't mind if other people use them to start businesses. Good for them. Then they, at least other people are getting the, the, the opportunity. Mm. Yeah, That's one thing. Then a second thing is, where how many people in Uganda? 40 million? Yes. The market is huge. It's true. It is so huge. There is, you can't be one person. Like bakers, there are a million bakers out there and all of them have someone who are buying. Yes. Yeah, so however many people come in and there'll, there'll always be a market. Yes. Yeah. So that's the thing. I'm, I'm not worried about yes. Yes. Uh, competition. Mm. Yeah, because the market is huge. Yes. And also I want to share. 
yes. Yeah. And that's the abundance mentality that we talk about here at Business Garage, yeah. that you have to start thinking the abundance that's out there as opposed to the scarcity yeah. of what's out there because then you're able to see opportunity as opposed to seeing what's not available. Yeah. But, but your story is very inspiring because from starting... I, I feel like what I hear is the ability to take risk, yeah. the ability to be willing to learn, responding to the market, and being willing to adjust and not yeah. put yourself in a box of, for me, I bake, because now you are manufacturing, <laughs> and, and, and yeah. soon you will have a factory where you're manufacturing. Yeah, why not? Hopefully, yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, that's the dream. Yeah. So tell us, what, where do you see this going? What, what do you see for the future? Now that you're starting to sort of see a pattern, I think you're starting to see where you really want to go. Yeah. What do you see for Jolity Creations? Um, Okay, so another thing that I do, which yes, I had actually yes, hadn't yes. mentioned, is that I, I train people how to use the, the flour. Because even with the recipes and even with the YouTube channel, and with the, there are still people who, who, who just don't. They, they need physical lessons. Mm. So that's one of the things is in the future, I see myself starting like a bakery school, like a training facility to teach people. Because um, we have, there are many, as in we have a, a there's a big problem, yeah? Yes. The, these lifestyle diseases, diabetes, and there are kids who are actually getting these diseases and it's because of what they eat. Mm. So I want people to learn that it can become a lifestyle, yes. yeah? Because most of these diets are not sustainable. Mm. Yeah, you go on a diet, one month, two months, you get broke, you go back to your old <laughs> eating habits all the way that you lost, you, you get it back plus more. But I want this to be a habit, a sustainable lifestyle. Like every time you want to eat a cake, you can still eat a cake. You don't have to miss out on it. So to train people how to, how to bake, yeah? So that even at home, they can make it themselves and yes. make it a lifestyle, that's one. Then two, um, when I started a website, you know a website is not just in Uganda, it's a worldwide thing. Yes. I was getting messages from someone in Germany. Oh my God, my daughter uses this. And I'm like, what? Wow. The US, ah, oh, I've used your recipe, and I'm like, what? Yes. Yeah. Kenya, Tanzania, Kigali, people are calling me, they're like, how do I get that flour? So there's a whole market, even outside of Uganda. Yes. Yeah. So, of course, I plan to, with God willing, grow it so that not only in Uganda, but even outside of Uganda, East Africa, Africa, and even outside of Africa. Yes, why not? Yeah. The world I mean, the, the world is my oyster. Yes, it yeah. is. There are no limitations. You're the one who limits yourself. Wow. Yeah. You guys, aren't you thoroughly inspired? Huh? <laughs> Just... Ah, thank you for sharing your story with us. I'm sure that Mr. Chris Kawesa has some observations, <laughs> questions for you. So over to you, Chris. Yes, Chris. Thank you, Pastor B3. Yeah. Uh, Jean, thanks so much for sharing okay, your thanks, story. Chris. It's very inspiring. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, you know... You know, she speaks softly. Yes, she's so soft-spoken. Yet she's a giant inside there because the things she's doing are very powerful. Yeah. And uh, I, I have a long list of things I've seen. <laughs> Let me yes. try and summarize them. Okay. Yeah. First of all, you're, the problem you're solving is a real challenge yeah. today. Yeah. Uh, we believers need to keep our bodies so that we can serve God. Yeah. So we need to maintain a healthy lifestyle. Uh, even as we grow older. So the problem you're solving is a real, real problem. It is, yeah. I was thinking right there that if you, are, if you are doing business in the U.S., you'd be a very big business 
because people there have adopted these things. Yeah. Uh, for yeah. us, we still have a lot of natural things to eat. Yeah. But out there, it's worse. So you're solving a real problem. <laughs> so thanks a lot. Yeah. Uh, you love to learn. Yeah. You love to learn. You love to, love to develop yourself. Uh, when you are in Musk, is it Musk? Yeah. You went and learned everything about the company and you end up working in all departments. So, and that gives, uh, that, that shows, it's evident in the way you're doing your business. You're learning a lot. You're like a sponge. Yeah. You get something, it enters you, it soaks into, it soaks into you and then you leave it. Yeah? So that's a very good attribute for business. Yeah. If you don't want to learn, it's difficult for you to learn and, and develop yourself. Then you're a problem solver. You're yes. a problem solver. They bring you a problem, you solve it. They bring you a problem, you solve it. And we've seen that trend in many business people. Yeah. Uh, then you have a specialized market. Yeah? You know your market, and it's right there. So you can't be uh, unsure about where you're selling your product yeah. uh, to. Now, one of the things that you do subtly, I don't even know whether you know, there's a principle in, you have a, first of all, you have a, a system. You developed your systems, outward systems, hence the recipes, yeah? Uh, so, you've created a market, around a, a product, a business around the recipes. But one of the things you do subtly is that, there's what they call continual improvement in building systems. Continual improvement starts from two things. Either you find a challenge or you get customer feedback. And I see you've done that so well, and you keep on improving. No wonder you have a line of products which are expanding your product line. So there's something you're doing very well around continual improvement. You're always improving yourself. You find a problem, you solve it. You find feedback from a customer, you improve it. Uh, what Pastor Bithri was saying, people have asked her for certain things, but she's not done it. But you've gone around and created other product lines. You've improved yourself as you're solving people's problems which is a very, very powerful thing. So thanks for that. Mm -hmm. Now, finally, uh, maybe also as a question, your, 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 your value chain involves agriculture. Uh, as Uganda, 65% of the people here live on agriculture. And we know that if we don't add value to our products, uh, we cannot make a lot out of it. Even the farmer ends up not getting a lot of value. Now, your product is not, I can guarantee you, like I said earlier, you, it's, it's, the market is limited in this country. Although it's there, but it's limited. And I can be sure that if you improve your product, uh, certify it, you'll get a bigger market out of this country. You'll probably just export only. I have a colleague who has, who has a certificate from the US, uh, uh, the US Food Safety Department, and all he does is export coffee, processed coffee. And that's where his biggest market is. So I want you to tell us, uh, what's your plan to certify your products? To what extent? Because you have about 12 or so products I've seen on your, on your website. What's your plan around exporting to get more value to the farmers in this country? But also to think about, if you're now selling 100 kilos a month, when can you sell 2,000 yeah. of flour? What, what do you think, in that line of, of, of business, what's your, what are your plans? Okay, so my suppliers of the, of the flour, I don't buy from supermarkets anymore. When I, you know, every packet has some, a number, yeah? So I actually called that number and I'm like, I'm looking for this flour. So the people who supply me are part of a project. There are some projects that are within Uganda in the north, in the west, yeah. So already there are farmers that are developing this. And 
I don't know if you're aware, another thing I discovered while I was doing this course um, is that Uganda is one of the biggest producers of sweet potato in the whole of Africa. Actually, I think in 2016, we were the biggest producer. Last year, I think we produced 1.9 million tons of sweet potatoes. Yeah? So, most of them are the white sweet potatoes, but even the orange sweet potatoes, if you already know how to grow sweet potatoes, you can still grow these sweet potatoes. So, uh, of course, with the help of the government and, yeah, uh, this is why I'm trying to spread awareness because there's a uh, potential, we have a potential that, that we're not, uh, should I say, breaching, yeah? So if we encourage, because most people who plant these potatoes plant them at home to eat with their families, yeah, on small pieces of land, maybe a quarter an acre, but they can actually grow these potatoes and mill them and actually get more money and we can create more value. So the the supply, on the supply side, we, we are well endowed. The country has so much, yeah? Uh, even if you ask for 100 tons or 1,000 tons, we, we, the country can, can produce that. So uh, it's still a small business, yeah? But I'm trying to join all those, uh, those companies like uh, Uganda, uh, so small scale industries, uh, women, all those women groups and everything so that uh, I can get, uh, should I say, like um, help with funding and, and all that. Uh, the first thing, of course, that I want to do is to get it certified because there are all these supermarkets that I can supply it to. And of course, exporting is, is one of the things. So the minute I'm able to get certification and uh, be able to produce it at a larger scale, then of course, I will definitely approach all those uh, export promotion board and everything to get the, the flour out, out there. So it's, it's definitely within the plan. Thank you, Jean. So yeah. you can see as someone who is thinking national things when he knows the volume of products produced that are pertaining to his business. And I think that's what we need to think of as business people, to stop thinking about your P&L, but think about how is my business helping this nation? How is my business helping this nation? We need to constantly think about that because God has called us to do that in our, to bring heaven on earth. We can't bring it when we are thinking about my home or my, my son and, and daughter's dinner or breakfast. So business people, what she's talking about now is very critical that let's think about how can, we, how can our businesses impact this nation? How can we change the story of many people, the farmers down there, the uh, import-export difference? What are we doing in order to change the story of our nation? So thank you very much, Jean. Thank you, Chris. Uh, and and yeah. we pray that God is going to move your business yes. to greater heights. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. Yes. Over to you, Pastor wow. Kithri. Ah, Before you bring it back to me, Pastor Chris, <laughs> I'm bringing it back to you. Why don't you tell these business people about the, the business product, uh, the kingdom business product that we have under a harvest multi-purpose cooperative that, we, that was approved recently so that they know how to tap into a certain space. Yeah. All right. Uh, business people, uh, Worship Harvest started a multi-purpose cooperative and we have a specific product for business people. We have a word and wisdom to save at least 20% of our income yes. or at least start saving something. So on top of individuals, members of Worship Harvest uh, saving in it, 
they have created a business product specifically for business and I think it's a very good opportunity because when we save together, we create a pool of resources which we can use to grow our businesses. And the point is that we are not getting a good deal with uh, the banks and whatever institutions are there. But if we save our own money, statistics have shown it, we have proved it that we are not poor. No. We have internal resources that we can use. So that's a call to all businesses to come together and serve uh, with the Worship Harvest Multipurpose Cooperative so that we can have a resource uh, of our own. So we're encouraging you to do that. All your location uh, cooperative leaders have the information about this product so you can go and register with them and they will give you more information about that. Super. Wow. Why don't we appreciate... Jean for such an incredible inspiring story. I hope you've been challenged as a person who has just started first of all to trust the process and as a person who has who, who is in business to listen to your customers, be open to learn and grow because you don't know what God is opening you up to as you say yes even to the unknown. So I'm personally I'm challenged and inspired and I hope you are as well. But if you're watching us today you're here in the room at Worship Harvest Nalia or you're at home or at one of our hosting centers and you've never met Jesus Lord of your life. Let me tell you, there is nothing more powerful than a relationship with Jesus, okay? It opens you up to purpose, to identity. You receive the mind of Christ. You can think like him. You can be led by him. And we want to give you that opportunity right now to say yes to Jesus. It's so simple. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he is Lord, just like that, you cross over from death to life, from darkness to light. So why don't you say this simple prayer after me? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Today I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I am born again. Take my life and give me purpose and give me direction. In Jesus' name, amen. I can hear the sound of a new generation. Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555. Five, five, five.